0: How are we all doing? I'm Michael, joined by Alex as always. How's it going? And this is Falling Through plot Holes, a podcast about video game plotlines and how they have a the tendency to go off the rails. Alex, how are you feeling today? I'm feeling pretty good. Good, good. Good, good. Uh, as we were discussing just before we got started recording, mm. I'm recording from an icebox. <laughs> <laughs> because it turns out electricity is important and also strange and mysterious because yeah. the the power in my place is broken in such a way that half the stuff in here works, such as the ability to, say, record a podcast, but other, the other half of the stuff doesn't work, such as the ability to heat my place or mm-hmm. cook food. Mm-hmm. Uh, some might say one is more valuable than the other. I, I honestly don't know. I, I'm yeah, a, it's,
1: it's subjective, really. It's,
0: it's honestly subjective. I mean, I could still play video games and I could just eat my controllers, Probably. Probably. Well, They're full of iron and copper. I'm sure you need those. So what I'm trying to say is this could be a very interesting episode because I have people out back literally digging up power lines. And Mm. while they haven't said that they're going to cut the power. (laughs) Well, sometimes you just do. Sometimes you just do. So for you, the viewer, if all of a sudden, one, this episode doesn't come out on Tuesday and two, there's just a weird break in the middle. You know why now? Mm. You know why? And honestly, Alex, I think that's going to be very fitting for today's episode, because as I promised last week, we're going to be continuing to talk about the Super Mario Brothers movie, because normally how we would do this is I would talk about the development and how like everything came together first, because that usually informs how the writing goes. Mm -hmm. And I figured that would be just a nice page of notes that we could get done in maybe 10 minutes. Uh, fast forward to today, we have an episode that's probably going to be over an hour. <laughs> mm-hmm. As I talk about a story that, as I read more and more into it, I got more enthralled about how just really stupid and strange it got. Mm. Uh, just, I guess, to get ahead of myself, it involves North Korea somehow. Oh. Yeah. Oh, you didn't this... get... No, no,
1: This it's always a good story when North Korea gets involved.
0: Yeah. Yeah, who'd have thought that North Korea may have had an influence on who made the Super Mario movie that <laughs> you didn't expect that one no <laughs> so yeah we're gonna we're gonna dive right on in here and uh and get in into this because once again this is gonna be a pretty decently long episode and we are racing against time is as, <laughs> as to whether or not the people out back with the um with the excavator smoking a cigar accidentally clips some power lines and t- caused the entire <laughs> building to lose power. So let's go ahead and jump into this. First off, Alex, are you familiar with the development of this movie at all? No. So
1: I was thinking about this, and my perception of this movie's development is basically there was an announcement that Nintendo had signed an agreement with Illumination to make a Mario Brothers movie, mm-hmm. to, to which my first response was, wow, I can't believe Nintendo is going to try another video game movie. It has been since the last Mario movie, since they were even willing to think about it. Mm -hmm. Followed immediately by, yeah, that makes sense. As far as like what studio to pick. Yeah. Illuminate. Yeah. That makes sense. Okay. Yeah. Get the minion guys to make you a popular with the kids Mario movie. Okay. Sure. Um, and then I feel like that was like five years ago.
0: (laughs) Yeah. More or less. I think, um, uh, I actually have the date somewhere in these notes, but yeah, it was like 2018, 2019. So yeah.
1: Yeah. And, and so, yeah, like at my initial reaction was this movie probably will be decent, but not great. So I'm not really excited for it and I'm not going to care about it very much. Mm-hmm. And so I stopped thinking about it and I didn't realize that five years went by and we heard like nothing. <laughs> <laughs> and in retrospect, Yeah, some stuff probably went on with this movie.
0: Oh, yes it did. It it certainly certainly did, because it turns out the attempts to make a Mario movie have been going on for actually more like 10 to 15 years at this point. Mm. Uh, It's hard to pin down exactly when it started, but Uh it's actually been quite a journey with this. And much like you, Alex, yeah, I thought this was going to be kind of a straightforward sort of story to tell. Like, hey, you know, company made, wanted to make movie and make money. Mm-hmm. You no, know? yeah, kind of a simple point A to point B. They cast these people. <laughs> this person was selected to write it. Here's their writing credits. Once again, it's something I thought I could get done with in ten minutes. Like, <laughs> no, who do you think we're talking about, Sega? No, no, we're talking about Nintendo, a company that cannot do anything by the book if they tried. <laughs> Because, yeah, if it was going to be like the Sonic movie, which yeah. Yeah, we probably will talk about that one day. Yeah, it'd be like, here's 10 minutes. We're going to talk about why they selected Ben Schwartz to voice Sonic. Go like, oh, right. well, he did a good job. And it move on with our lives. Yeah. yeah. But no. No, 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 no. <laughs> because you see, this whole process starts. In order to even like talk about how this movie even came about, we got to go 30 years in the past. And talk about a movie that made Nintendo basically change the entire way they treated their characters. Like, uh-huh. literally. And that's, of course, the live-action Super Mario Brothers movie from 1993. Which, first off, wow, it's been 30 years! It oh. sure has! Yeah, May 28th, 1993 is when this movie was released, which um, kind of makes sense, because I moved out to uh, the Pacific Northwest about 10 years ago and bought three copies of that movie as a joke. So... <laughs> Yeah, no, okay, that lines up. I can yep. see why that happened now. Mm-hmm. We're not going to get too much into the weeds about the Super Mario Brothers movie because one, its development is fascinating in its own right and it deserves yep. its own entire episode, which... It
1: really does.
0: It's it's going to get one. It's 30 yep. years, it's its anniversary. Uh-huh. Expect it within the next couple months. But um, we do have to at least touch on it a little bit because one, it's the first ever big-budget Hollywood video game movie. Like, not the first ever video game movie in general. Japan exists, obviously. They've been uh-huh. doing this. There's like 80s OVAs and whatnot that they did of actually the Super Mario Brothers, oddly enough. Mm. But it's the first one in Hollywood that was like mm-hmm. really big deal. Right. And two, it's an enormous flop. It's a famously enormous uh-huh. flop. A so bad it's good movie that's become kind of a cult classic for all the wrong reasons. Now, this movie, starring Bob Hoskins and John Licuizamo, as Mario and Luigi respectively, Bob Hos- Hoskins, British thespian and stage actor. <laughs> Amazing choice. Yep. Also has Dennis Hopper as a wildly miscast King Koopa. It basically tells a story where a parallel dimension full of like evolved dinosaurs tries to invade our reality and de-evolve humanity, taking it over in the process. Uh, it has a visual style that was heavily influenced by Tim Burton films and Max Headroom. Mm-hmm. Which is a fun combination. I, <laughs> that's inspired as hell. Yeah. And admittedly, the visual designs of this movie is is fantastic. I do actually love that. It completely clashes with what Mario is, but I right. love
1: it. Yes, it is wild in its own right.
0: Mm-hmm. And it's a style that's just accentuated by the fact that both Hoskins and Lequizamo are both incredibly drunk in the vast majority of the scenes. <laughs> <laughs> It is such an amazingly weird movie that, if you know anything about Nintendo now, would make you wonder why they signed off on it in the first place. And I, that's really what I actually want to talk about, Alex. Because uh-huh. Nintendo back then was a far different company than what mm. it is now. Uh huh. So Alex, I think this is an accurate thing to say about Nintendo. They're a corporation that nowadays is like compared to Disney in both good and bad ways. Yes. And I mean that in the sense of, like, they're good in the sense that they're a company known for its iconic characters and games, but bad in the sense that they exert a massive amount of control over its intellectual property. And I don't mean that in the sense of, like, okay, well, they just tried to protect it. I mean that they control it in the sense that if there's any level of deviation that has not been rigorously approved by Nintendo, it is immediately squashed. Uh If you want a really good recent example of this... Uh, literally, God, maybe like four days before recording this episode or something like that, uh, the YouTuber Point Crow, who's um, kind of a quasi speedrunner of like Zelda games and whatnot, usually does like really fun challenges in Breath of the Wild. Uh, he recently showed off a mod for that game that added multiplayer. Mm. And that immediately resulted in his channel getting hit with what I think are, th- at this point, 32 separate copyright claims for Nintendo. <laughs> yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. And like they've done that with other fan projects as well, like AM2R and whatnot, the uh, mm-hmm. Metroid fan game and all that. Um, and of course, they've done that to studios they've even like worked with. Where if they are like the famous example is, I think would be of um, Retro Studios for one of the Metroid Prime sequels wanted Samus to be a bounty hunter, cos canonically she's a bounty hunter, right? And they and Nintendo said, oh, we don't like that. She shouldn't be taking <laughs> money for her jobs. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> which
1: doesn't make sense cuz Star Fox takes money all the time. They do,
0: yeah. Yeah, for them mercenaries are fine but bounty hunters aren't. It's like the same thing. It is basically the same thing, but not in Nintendo's eyes. And what I'm trying to say with that is they're very aggressive. Right. Now, the Nintendo of the late 80s and early 90s wasn't necessarily that. Mhm. And this is probably has to do with size and success. I mean, this was a company that at that point had just barely hit a bid with arcade hits like Donkey Kong and their first home console, the Nintendo Entertainment System. And while this did trigger rapid growth for them, it didn't mean they had an overnight change in their business practices. Like, they was still very much a family-run business. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nintendo back then was more than happy, though, to license out their IP, their intellectual property, to whomever would give them the most money. Like, they were still in a period of rapid growth and they really had no idea about, like, what sort of damage could happen if they were just going to just kind of throw out, like, Mario and have it be licensed with whomever, right? Right. Now, what this meant is that games such as, like, Donkey Kong or even the original arcade Mario Brothers actually would end up on rival video game consoles, Mm -hmm. such as the Atari 2600 or the ColecoVision and whatnot. Uh, Even their flagship uh, uh, NES title, Super Mario Brothers, was ported to japanese pcs like the sharp um, x8600 so nintendo mania was also in full swing in america as well and that led to mario Zelda, and other properties being licensed for cartoons such as captain n food such as the nintendo cereal system (laughs) to of course the super mario movie now you might be listening to this and be on the verge of calling bullshit specifically because it's not exactly like nintendo wasn't willing to sell you yoshi plushies and mario keychains through the 90s and 2000s Mm -hmm. but with that being said one that stuff is still actually surprisingly hard to find Mm -hmm. like you can go to your target nowadays and get like a pretty large like yoshi plush but like you would be very rare to see something in like the checkout line of a walmart that would have like like a little like you know, like a little plush for like a little keychain or whatnot. You usually had to like kind of go out of your way to find that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. And it's not because Nintendo didn't want to sell you that sort of stuff. The difference between that and Nintendo in the 80s is that Nintendo is going to exert a ton of control over that type of merchandising going forward. Whereas what I'm talking about with this Nintendo is that they're perfectly fine in the 80s and 90s of allowing other companies to create their own interpretation. Largely because being relatively new to some aspects of this business, they had no idea what was considered standard or, quote, the right way to do things. Mm -hmm. So, of course, when it came to, like, the Mario movie, they were going to sign over quite a bit of creative control uh, to the production company in order to do what they had to do because they had no idea how to make a movie. Right. And why immediately after it was a huge failure and a laughingstock, they were going to immediately cease doing that. Like, after this, Nintendo is going to really claw this back. And you see this in interviews that Miyamo- Shigeru Miyamoto is going to give with the uh, outlets with the most recent Mario movie. Like, hey, we are really concerned about licensing our IP out, but we found the perfect partner in Illumination, etc., etc. That's backed up by things they said as well. Right. And that's how we get the Nintendo we know and love today. <laughs> the, the company that was obsessed with control over their IP and a need to do things the Nintendo way. Now, it should be pointed out that this does not mean that there was never any chance of Nintendo intellectual property being used to make a TV show or movie from this point forward. In fact, quite the opposite. What it meant though is that if a company wanted to do that, they would have to play by Nintendo's rules. Which meant bringing them in and giving them pretty much full creative control. Now, this is something that Hollywood companies tend to really chafe at, uh, but, it, you know, like everyone knows about, like, the Halo series that took forever to actually get off the ground because Microsoft right. kept interfering, for instance. Mm-hmm. But it didn't stop some attempts to make movies based upon Nintendo franchises. I think we mentioned a few of these in the last episode, but, like, there's the 2004 attempt to make a John Woo-helmed Metroid movie. Uh-huh. Yep. Which sounds fun.
1: It does. I was excited for that one.
0: Yeah. Or the million rumors of a Legend of Zelda movie, that's that, that was just never gonna happen, you guys. Yeah, was, no, it, no. No. Nintendo can't even get this get the story right in their own games. <laughs>
1: <laughs> they they finally put together a co a singular timeline and it makes no sense.
0: <laughs> it does not. They put out a hardcover book for it and it immediately contradicted it like, literally weeks <laughs> later. It was hilarious. <laughs> Oh, I love Nintendo. I love it so much. But regardless, without Nintendo at least ceding some level of control or finding someone willing to play ball with them, these projects were never going to happen. Right. And this is where we get to the present day. Because a few things are going to happen that's going to actually pave the way for a Mario movie to finally happen again. So the first one, unfortunately, is going to be a tragic one. In 2015, Sartoro Iwata, Mm then-president and CEO of Nintendo, passes away. Mm-hmm. Iwata had been a longtime employee of Nintendo at this point whether it was his time as a developer at the second-party company HAL Laboratory or as part of his 15-year reign as CEO and president of Nintendo he, alongside his predecessor Hiroshi Yamauchi had been very much of the mind of keeping this intense creative control and keeping their intellectual property on Nintendo's own products in 2011 for instance when the Japanese newspaper Nikkei asked him about whether or not the then-struggling Nintendo was going to develop games for the mobile phone market, he was on the record for stating, quote, absolutely not. If we did this, Nintendo would cease to be Nintendo, end quote. Now, this is in sharp contrast with what other companies were doing at this time, and I mean both Japanese and Western video game companies. Uh, Companies like Sega and Ubisoft were happy to license out their properties to people like Uibol to make cheap, schlocky movies. Mm Mm-hmm. And like other companies like Capcom, were happy to (laughs) let them do things like, say, make multiple bad cartoons and anime about Mega Man. Yeah. Nintendo, for the most part, avoided all of this. And with some exceptions like the manga Super Mario-kun, which is still ongoing to this day. It's Hmm. over 25 years. Yeah. They simply avoided over-commercialization in a way companies did not. By the way, we have to make a quick Ui Bowl tangent. Let's do that, please. Because as part of this, obviously, I, I looked into a little bit of his uh, his filmography and whatnot. I uh-huh. like, I wanted to see if there were some Western companies, some you know Japanese companies. And yeah, there were both. Mm. But as part of my research, uh, did you know he made a movie about Auschwitz? I did not
1: know that. However, <laughs> it does not completely surprise me.
0: I bet it doesn't.
1: <laughs> the things Uwe Boll will make movies about are limitless.
0: I love this man who's like, I'm going to make, like, the really bad Far Cry movie and House of the Dead movie. He's like, I'm going to make a serious movie about Auschwitz. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do that now. It was apparently an incredibly terrible movie. Okay, yeah. Yeah, that, what's that even tracks. What's even funnier, though, is that literally his very next movie was Blood Rain,
1: the Third Reich. Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> That's the Blood Rain movie I didn't see.
0: Yeah, I bet not. <laughs>
1: Directive video. (laughs) Yeah, that makes sense.
0: Real, like, tonal whiplash with that one. Mm -hmm. Here's our serious Nazi movie. Here's our dumb vampire Nazi movie. Yeah, Literally months apart.
1: (laughs) Okay, well, at least no one can accuse him of being pro-Nazis.
0: You know? Because
1: he has depicted the horrors of their actions and also killed them in droves with a vampire.
0: So. Yeah. Uwe Boll confirmed not-Nazi. Yeah. that's something. First positive thing ever said about him. I'm sure. <laughs> so, getting back to Nintendo. Uh, this is all not going to last, right? Uh-huh. Iwata passed away and almost coincidentally Super Mario Run, Nintendo's first mobile phone based uh, game, yeah. would come out for Android and iOS platforms in December of 2016 as a collaboration between Nintendo and mobile developer D.E.N.A., friend of the podcast, D.E.N.A. last known for making the bad shit move mobile game. <laughs> Now, this deal was struck while Iwata was still alive. I I should put that out Mm -hmm. there. It wasn't like Iwata's, you know, still warm in the ground and Nintendo's immediately like, let's make some mobile games, man. Right, right. Uh, The deal was roughly struck around like 2014 or so. But it still has a curious timing regardless, and it does Mm -hmm. signal that Nintendo's new leadership, then led by Tatsumi Kimishima, was willing to change what it meant to be Nintendo and what a Nintendo product was. And this was immediately followed by other games, such as Fire Emblem Heroes, a game nobody talks about.
1: Uh, I know someone who talks about F- Fire Emblem Heroes. And oh, boy, you want to talk about ceasing to be a Nintendo product.
0: <laughs> Do they talk about this in positive or negative ways?
1: Uh, kind of Stockholm Syndrome-y ways.
0: Ah, OK. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, that makes maybe the most sense. Sure. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah oh poor Fire Emblem Heroes poor Fire Emblem Heroes but you know what at least it's still alive looking over at the grave of Dragalia Lost
0: wait it actually is still alive uh I think so I don't know I mean okay I, I'll, I'll listen Listen. I'll be very upfront transparent about this I didn't look in to see if Fire Emblem Heroes was still going I just assumed it wasn't so Oh, well, good for them yeah I, I
1: feel like it makes too much money off of Fire Emblem fans to die.
0: They are kind of crazy, so yeah, yeah. Nah, it makes sense. <sighs> well, this makes this uh, next part even sadder then, because I was about to say Mario Kart Tour, a game that seems to make just everyone sad, but I guess that's mm. actually Fire Emblem Heroes. Yeah. Hmm. Well, regardless, they made a bunch of mobile games. Now, yeah. the second thing they're going to do is deals with the reality Nintendo was dealing with around 2015. Uh, A time that, let's say, is not exactly sunny for Nintendo, (laughs) and I'm not just meaning because, unfortunately, Iwata passed away. Right. Because, you see, that's around the time that Nintendo's new console, the Wii U, kind of came out and had been an astounding flop. Mm Mm-hmm. And for once, Nintendo was actually facing some level of financial difficulty. Now, Nintendo almost legendarily never loses money hand over fist. Right. Uh, yeah, they have incredibly conservative business practices that usually mean they either make money or just slightly less money. mm mm-hmm. Large part because there's many reasons for this. Like one of them is because like their consoles are often underpowered compared to their competition, in part because they don't want to sell for a loss. Right. But this ended up being unavoidable for the Wii U. Alex, I'm going to just say this next statement, and uh, I'm going to see if you think this is feasible. All right. So, Nintendo, based on their success of their previous console the Wii... Ah, uh, they mm-hmm. expected the Wii U to sell over a hundred million units.
1: Uh huh. Yeah, that seems um ambitious. It, yeah, it should, it's a lofty
0: projection. It should be pointed out that the Wii, a system that basically took the world by storm when it came out in, I believe, two thousand and six. Uh huh. That sold one hundred and one million units.
1: Damn. Okay, that is more than I realized. So fair. Um. However. Uh, I'm not sure what that projection was based on, other than well, the Wii did it.
0: I think that was literally all it was, because it certainly couldn't have been the publicity tour they did. No, where literally, then Nintendo President, Nintendo of America President Reggie F- Fisca may went on to like Jimmy Fallon and was like, "Hey, look at this thing! It's the Wii U," and Fallon was like, "Oh, it's an add-on for the Wii," and he's like, "Ah, oh, crap."
1: Um. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah nothing about the Wii U's lead up really led anybody to believe that the system, much less games released for like Batman Arkham City armored edition, were actually going to be anywhere successful. And Alex, it turns out it was not. No. It's gonna sell thirteen million units. Or let's say half the amount that the GameCube sold, a system that was also considered a failure. Yeah. It is the second worst-selling console Nintendo has ever released, and that's only topped by the Virtual Boy. Uh-huh, yep. <laughs> the Virtual Boy, which did sell, I think, 760,000 units? I mean, that at least was more just a weird side project that right. Gunpei Yukoi just wanted to do. Right. Rather than, you say, I don't know, the future of Nintendo and its games. So, mm-hmm. not a good start. No, not great. no. Now, often when a Nintendo console underperforms, or they're just in this awkward point where, say, their most recent console has been on the market for a while and just isn't selling like it used to, Nintendo usually has a backup plan in the form of whatever portable gaming system they have on the market. Right. Unfortunately, (laughs) (laughs) the console, the, the portable system they had on the market was the Nintendo 3DS. Right. A portable system that was a success with a lifetime sale of 75 million units, but that was a huge drop in sales, nearly 50% from its predecessor, the Nintendo DS, which sold Mm -hmm. 150 million.
1: Right. Which, okay, I think the 3DS is a really cool piece of technology.
0: I I love the 3DS, absolutely. I
1: gotta be honest, comparing the two, the original DS's library kicks so much more ass.
0: It's an incredible library.
1: The DS has an amazing library, and the 3DS is like it's pretty good. Mm-hmm. It's got some real bangers.
0: But oh, yeah. like,
1: it, it's it's not as good.
0: No. The, the things the 3DS has over the original DS is that it has the better Zelda game. Yeah, And that's maybe about it. Yeah. Um, it,
1: I was, I was going to say, oh, it has the, the Pokemon game. No, the DS had black and white.
0: Black and white's okay. great. Black white's amazing. It's got
1: nothing. Oh, the, yeah, the 3DS is doomed.
0: Yeah, poor 3DS. Now, mind you, that's a combined sales from all the different SKUs that they had right. and the updates, yep. such as like the new Nintendo 3DS, mm-hmm. which, by the way, they did release that updated version in 2014. And the new Nintendo 3DS, uh, while I did my part personally and bought yep. two of the damn things. I did too. It only ended up selling roughly 14.7 million units. You know what's
1: really funny about that is... Okay, so SKU updates are never going to sell as well as the original. Oh, yeah, Because, like, you're sort of going against the benefit of a console at that point. Um, What I'm sure didn't help was the awful terrible branding Mm -hmm. of the new 3DS. Very clearly distinguishing it from the old 3DS. Mm Mm-hmm. Um very much underscoring the importance of branding and making your new products distinct and distinguished from their predecessors. Uh so anyway, Wii U, how you doing?
0: Yeah, you think like Nintendo just like fired their entire advertising department after both the Wii U and the new Nintendo 3DS? I have to assume so. My god, what what were they thinking? What were they thinking? I I don't I don't know. Yeah, that is terrible ideas. Terrible ideas all about all around that. But yeah, because of that, Nintendo simply did not have the revenue streams it normally would enjoy, right? hmm And with no guarantee that its successor system, the Nintendo Switch, would be a success like it's going to eventually be. Right. They have to look for alternative revenue streams. And they're going to find it in the funniest way possible. With Universal Studios. hmm Now, it is very Mm. funny to me that Nintendo would team up with a company that nearly sued him out of existence 25 years ago, (laughs) but it is slightly tempered by the fact that at this point, also, I guess it's actually 30 years ago at this point. All right, whatever. Anyway, Mm. slightly tempered by the fact that at this point, the Universal we know and love is so far removed from what Universal used to be. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, For one, Universal ended up being bought out by the French mass media company Vivendi back in 2004, Uh who would then go on to form a strategic partnership with General Electric, forming the company NBC Universal, a Mm -hmm. combination of the television network NBC with the movie production company Universal, which is, oddly enough, something they've already been kind of doing for roughly the past 50 years at that point. They Mm -hmm. actually had a very close working relationship stretching back to the 50s. But now it's officially codified. Corporations are so weird. They really, really are. Yeah. And it's going to get even weirder when, in 2009, Comcast began a process of buying increasing stakes in the company. Eventually buying out General Electric and Vivendi and becoming (sighs) the more or less, like, the sole owners.
1: You know, this is a tangent, but playing through Final Fantasy VII Remake, Mm -hmm. there is fairly early in the game, there's just this sort of side throwaway Uh, poster on the wall yeah that's like the new uh digital slr camera or something from shinro Shinra electric company and there's like a tagline on it that's like based on our military spy cameras (laughs) and i i my first thought to that was like wow that is so wild like what if you're I don't know, your cable company just came out one day and was like, hey, we have this digital camera. We base it off our spy satellites. (laughs) Immediately followed by the thought of, that's not that outlandish.
0: No, no, actually it's not. (laughs) It really, really isn't. Especially when you remember, yeah, GE was, you know, making weapons for the United States in World War II. Yes,
1: they basically (laughs) created the Vulcan gun that aircrafts use. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) so okay yeah sure freaking our cable company owns the electric company that made anti-aircraft weaponry and also king kong
0: exactly they made anti-aircraft weaponry and they are also partially responsible for the career of david schwimmer who would go on to star in band of brothers coincidence Mm. yes but still it's funny (laughs) (laughs) so yeah at this point Unlike Nintendo, which still had a lot of the old guard hanging around, Uh pretty much nobody from the old Universal still really remained. Right. And given that the Universal arm of the company had all sorts of stakes in different entertainment projects, it just kind of made sense for Nintendo to team up with them. And so in 2015, they began an aggressive, for Nintendo standards, campaign of licensing deals with other companies. Now, one of these deals with Universal is going to be the Super Nintendo world. Hmm. A thing I desperately want to go to. <laughs> yeah. Have yeah. to admit. Yeah. The, now, this is the Universal Studios helped theme park project, uh, which a lot of people mistook in, mistake for the being like, hey, we're going to be making a theme park around Super Mario Brothers when it's like, no, it's just going to be in Universal Studios, kind of like right. the Wizarding World of Harry Potter and whatnot. Right. Uh, and now, I want to focus on this for a bit, though, because it does highlight just how aggressively Nintendo has started this push. Because from its inception, Nintendo has put a heavy focus on this new attraction, which was uh, first built in uh, Universal's existing theme park in Osaka, Japan. It was immediately announced that Shigeru Miyamoto, the longtime creative force behind Nintendo's like, six most successful products, mm-hmm. and after Iwata's death, was arguably the face of the company, actually technically ran Nintendo for a few months on an interim basis, mm-hmm. He was going to be directly involved in the design and development of this attraction. He Even went further and actually started making him available for interviews again, which for the longest time Miyamoto was rarely, if ever, doing interviews. Right. Huh. So they were basically front and center of like, "Hey, we need to get Miyamoto out here. We need to mm-hmm. have him talk this thing up. This is going to be right. a big thing for us." Right. So yeah, it's clear this had a significant amount of importance to Nintendo. And so, what resulted from this is that upon its grand opening in March of 2021, this land, which was based heavily on, on Super Mario intellectual property, also heavily featured Nintendo properties. And it was basically as spot on a rec- recreation of these properties as it possibly could be. Like, mm-hmm. you would go in there, there was like really cool like Nintendo merchandise. They gave you these cool AR bands that you could put next to like coin blocks that would turn off. Mm. Like, there was like a really cool go kart track. Like, they put in an incredible amount of work into the attractions that are in this that it kind of launched to rave reviews and it was an incredible success. Hmm. It was so successful that a new location was opened up in Universal Studios Hollywood just this year, like, I think literally a month ago at this point? Sounds about right. Yeah, and there's now plans to bring it to Orlando in Singapore in, in uh, 2025. Hmm. It's been such a huge success for both Universal and Nintendo, and more importantly for our story, that it's laid the groundwork for what's going to come with the Super Mario movie. Because, Alex, I don't know if you know this, but Universal's also a movie production company. Debatably. (laughs) Debatably. (laughs) But they technically are. And thus, it was only natural that this partnership would allow for the Super Mario movie to come into being. That being said, though, what if I told you there could have been a much different Mario movie? I'm
1: afraid to know more because I'm afraid it's going to be a more interesting movie we didn't get.
0: Oh my god, it's going to be so much more interesting. Damn it. It would have been so much more train wrecky though, but it would have been uh, so much more interesting. No, but I want that. So Alex, um, this is going to get really silly really quickly. but Okay. You remember back in 2014 when all those emails got leaked from Sony Pictures? Yeah. Oh, that was good. Oh, Yes. That was it. Was so amazing. We learned from that email trove that back in twenty fourteen, Sony Pictures. Uh, well, no. Let's back up even further. Let's just let's just get into the origins of this entire thing. All right. Back in twenty fourteen, Sony Pictures, through the subsidiary Columbia Pictures, helped produce and distribute a movie called The Interview. You ever mm. seen this movie? I have not. It's a bad movie. Yeah, I got that impression. Yeah. This movie, uh, which stars Seth Rogen, funnily enough, is a kind of bad movie about killing Kim Jong-un, the dictator of North Korea. To keep this short, this caused a lot of controversy. (laughs) The North Korean government promised a stern and merciless retaliation if the film was ever released, and he even went to the UN to basically complain that this was an act of terror. Now, you should never really uh, hand anything to North Korea, yeah. But uh, I kind of got a hand it to them. They may not have been completely wrong about that. It does seem kind of crass to make a movie about murdering your country's leader.
1: Uh, yeah. Hello, yeah. Even though,
0: yes, he is a terrible human being. He is 100% Obviously, a terrible yes. person. Yes. Yes, it-
1: goes without saying. But, like, yeah, to make a movie specifically about assassinating him. Mm, yeah. Qu- questionable.
0: Like, I'm not going to sit here and be like, oh man, they should definitely have not made this. But I'm like, I'm not surprised they were upset. Right. So, now, so, went to the UN, they did all that. And this caused such a stir that then CEO of Sony, Kazurai, hey, Kazurai, how's it going? Hey. Man made the sound chip for the Super Nintendo. <laughs> and then basically has been the reason why Sony has survived their <laughs> TV, their... You know, TV arm and their movies being absolute trash fires. Uh she He really, we got
1: to stop promoting people out of their element, man.
0: We really do, because yeah, he he wasn't quite a good CEO of Sony, but
1: no, great electronic engineer, not so good at the business stuff.
0: Not so good. No or the product
1: no. management.
0: Although to be fair, he's going to try to be good here because he's going to try to pressure Amy Pascal, the head of Sony Pictures, to maybe, uh. Change the ending of this movie to not involve the murder of... Oh, yeah. Kim Jong-un? That'd be a good idea, huh? They eventually compromise on making his death less gruesome. So there's that, at least. Sure? Yeah. But needless to say, the movie is going to be pulled from theaters and released to direct a streaming in December Mm. of 2014. Uh, With the, the funny corollary being Sony saying, no, no, we are still going to totally release this in theaters. But movie theaters were too scared to show this movie.
1: I do remember them trying to lean into the controversy as a publicity stunt. Yeah. And then everyone who watched it just being like, man, whatever, this movie sucks.
0: Yeah, it's like, no, this is a bad movie that just caused controversy. And you're like, well, we'll just try to recoup costs in some way. Yeah. 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 And to be fair, the controversy did work a little bit, at least on me, because I did stream this when it came out. Uh-huh. And upon finishing it, it, was like, I immediately regret this. <laughs> so, yeah. That being said, here comes the consequences. Mm. One month before this movie was released, in November of 2014, a group calling themselves the Guardians of Peace hacked the computer networks of Sony Pictures Entertainment, leaking a ton of stuff from internal emails, Scripts from upcoming movies, and even the entire movie Annie, <laughs> which that was oh, fun. Oh, yeah. 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 There was a couple other movies that were that were um, elite, but that one stuck out to me for some reason. Now, it was quickly discovered that this group was associated with North Korea. They basically just went in and did this and basically told Sony they have to kept this up. They'll just continue releasing more stuff. Um, don't know if that was a bluff or not, but... Uh, mm-hmm. I- it would have be been nice if they did because, boy, the stuff that we get was. Oh, boy. boy. The,
1: the real takeaway to me is man, Sony management is bad at their jobs.
0: Very bad and just also just kind of racist. <laughs> yeah, that too. Like, the stuff in there, like, just to get the racist stuff out of the way, like, there's a bunch of racist emails between Amy Pascal and producer Scott Rudin about <laughs> Barack Obama. Mm. Being like, yeah, we should show, we should talk about all these movies that have slaves to in him to him, see how he reacts it's like oh boy oh boy that's yeah, yeah no nah, you should do that yeah <laughs> yeah no that seems like a good idea yeah <laughs> but it also includes stuff like hey charlie sheen's hiv diagnosis came out in this
1: mm. uh, which mm. oh
0: yay calling uh. angelina jolia brat and like basically talking shit about kevin hart like but the one thing that was relevant to our story and you know in order to give this a little bit more of a focus, because this could be an oh. entire podcast episode by oh, itself. Oh, yes. yes. Sony had the idea and supposedly did acquire the rights to make a Super Mario movie.
1: Oh, man. <laughs> yes. Oh, man. Did you know about this? I did not know about that. I want to see that movie. That movie would have sucked.
0: Oh, it would have been. Oh, oh yeah, it would have man. been terrible.
1: The Sony-produced Mario movie? Oh, Mm -hmm. man, that movie would have been dog shit.
0: Oh, Alex, don't worry. You're going to totally change your mind after this next sentence that I'm going to say. Yeah? Yeah, please say it. Because in an email dated October 23rd, 2014, with a stunningly poor grasp of the English language, producer Ari Arad, the man responsible for the hit movie Morbius... Oh, yeah... (laughs) Yeah, Annie, yeah, yeah, yeah. he told Amy Pascal, quote, I am the proud father of Mario, the animated film. He then forwarded images of him posing with both Shigeru Miyamoto and Satoru Iwata with the message, happy CEO. Let's get together. It's the motherload." end quote. <laughs> what does any of that mean? <laughs> I don't know. I, like, this obviously is not getting together, but there's like so many grammatical errors in here. Yeah, things yeah, yeah. That, yeah. Like, The things that are capitalized that shouldn't be capitalized. The things that should be capitalized that aren't. I don't know why you said happy CEO. (laughs) (laughs) Does he mean Iwata's happy? I'm not sure. Does he mean Amy Pascal's happy? I don't know. Okay. So so I I needed
1: to just look up uh, Avi Arad. Because Mm -hmm. uh, I needed to refresh my memory. And so there, there was a time, there was a very specific time, specifically when Spider-Man, the first movie, came out. Mm-hmm. And people were like, man, that's a good movie. Superhero movies are back. Mm-hmm. I can't wait to see where this goes. And then where it went is um, Bad Places. Yep. And debatably, one could argue that Sony almost never made another good movie after Spider-Man 2. Yeah, I'd say that's right. Uh, I mean, th- there's ones here and there, but le- to to be more specific, almost everything Sony did after Spider-Man two, whether it was Spider-Man three, Amazing Spider-Man, The Fantastic Four, Morbius, Venom, mm-hmm. Avi Arad had some hand in. Yep, this man has been ruining licensed movies from Sony for about fifteen years.
0: Yes, he has. <laughs>
1: And dear God, I want to watch his Mario movie,
0: right? Yeah, this is the man who decided that maybe we should make a Kraven movie. Yeah, yeah,
1: everyone loves Craven the Hunter. Yeah, <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's yeah. It, he's definitely right. It seems like he, from his filmography, he's writing off the success of the yeah, the Tobey Maguire Spider Man movies. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, well, what if he's just the Spider-Man guy from now on? And it's like, oh,
1: no. Oh, no. Which, by the way, so to specifically hone in on one thing. Hey, everyone at home, did you ever watch Spider-Man 3? Did you think it was a disjointed mess and lots of things didn't make sense? And there were too many villains, specifically Venom didn't make any sense? Mm Mm-hmm. Did you know that Sam Raimi, uh, when developing Spider-Man 3, was like, uh, I have this great idea for a story about Sandman. And Avi Arad was like, Sandman sucks. You should put more villains in there. And Sam <laughs> Raimi was like, uh, I could put The Vulture. And Avi Arad was like, no, that's stupid. Put Venom. The kids love Venom. Do Venom. <laughs> and he has not stopped trying to make Venom happen since that movie flopped
0: yep <laughs> the man has uh kept a going <laughs> he's, oh he's even spread it to the main marvel mcu now congratulations
1: congratulations em- he did a, what if what if the second mario movie had venom <laughs> what if it's just like a black gooey hat
0: oh man <laughs> bowser jr's venom yeah. Yeah, I'm down with that. I'm down with that. <laughs> let's get RVR on the phone. It,
1: yeah, let's do that. <laughs> no, I don't do that. Don't ever do that. Yeah,
0: don't ever do that. That's a terrible idea. <laughs> if you're making that for an audience of two, and it's us. <laughs> so yeah, it's clear from the emails that like Amy Pascal is incredibly excited about this, as well as Sony Pictures Animation's... Uh, their name of their studio is so stupid. It's Sony Pictures Animation. Sony uh-huh. Pictures Animation's President of Production, Michelle Raymo Coyate, I hope I pronounced that last name correctly. Who responded to the email chain with good English, let's build a Mario Empire. I can think of three or four movies right out of the gate on this. So huge! What is this enthusiasm based off of? We're gonna make a lot of money! At this point in
1: time, looking at their catalog, what makes them think this is gonna work?
0: We just released Hotel Transylvania! It was alright! my
1: God. Oh, boy.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's um, it's not exactly a... There's not... Like, if Illumination is Tier C, Sony Pictures <laughs> Animation is, like, Tier S. And by S, I don't mean, like, Japanese S, where it's great. Right.
1: No, like, alphabetical S.
0: <laughs> yes, alphabetical S. So, yeah. Like...
1: In case anyone forgot, this is the animation studio responsible for the Emoji Movie.
0: Yeah, it is. Yeah, damn right it is. Got Sir Patrick Stewart to play piece of Poop. <laughs> which is admittedly inspired. It is, yes. He did a great job. He did a great job. So the emails also revealed that Aviar had been attempting to secure the rights for years at this point. Mm. Like, talking about how he was flying to Japan, you know, it's going to make this happen and whatnot. So, yeah, like, at this point, could have been at least as far back as 2010 that Sony was just trying hard. Yeah, this
1: sounds like the same language as the guy who made the Mortal Kombat movies was using.
0: Mm Mm-hmm, yeah.
1: Specifically when he was talking about Annihilation.
0: (laughs) Now listen, there was nothing to say that Annihilation wasn't going to be a huge flop that was going to squander all the goodwill from the first movie.
1: There were many things. There There were were many many things things to say that.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. like what, half the cast not returning and whatnot? Uh-huh,
1: yep, that's a great sign,
0: love that's to see it. Great sign, yep, yep. So yeah, now obviously this all never happened, and it turns out they actually never had the rights to this movie. Aviara right, just <laughs> said that, now I talked to them, they seem excited, we have the rights to it! <laughs> which is not the same as signed contracts, it turns out. Turns out, this man's a movie producer. This man is a movie producer to a team. So, don't know what happened, we don't know why, and anything would be speculation. And speculation is fun, so let's do that. Let's do that. I bet it was because Nintendo didn't want to work with the direct competitor, or that Sony chafed at Nintendo wanting an insane level of creative control. Both of these seem plausible. Both of these seem plausible. It's also probably that Nintendo was like, oh yeah, nah, sure, we'll we'll talk to you about it, Avi, and then Avi Uh went back and went, yeah, we got it, we did it, guys! (laughs) Now, I also suspect, though, is because Sony Pictures probably wanted to do something that was interesting and uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And I know this because one of the directors, Amy Pascal, wanted to attach to the project was, and I know I'm going to butcher this, which is too bad because I love this guy, uh, Gennady Tartakoski. Tartakovsky, mm-hmm. Tartakovsky mm-hmm. there we go. Now, Tartakovsky had just got done doing Hotel Transylvania for Sony Pictures, mm-hmm. but he's best known for stuff like Samurai Jack, Mm-hmm. The really, really cool animated Star Wars, The Clone Wars. And most recently, Primal. That weird as hell thing. <laughs> he is a man who could certainly do it safe, like he did with the very kid-friendly Hotel Transylvania. But he could also get weird as hell if he wanted to. And there was no way in hell Nintendo was going to allow him to do that. <laughs> there was no way. No. So, now, I would have loved to have watched that movie, Alex.
1: Yeah, yeah, I would, I would have watched his Mario
0: movie in a heartbeat. Mm-hmm. And honestly, given that he's the guy who desperately wants to make an animated Popeye film, mm, to the yep. point he's done multiple like screen tests. Uh-huh. Like that would be perfect. Mario and Popeye have a shared lineage. It's yeah, it be, yeah, that would be awesome. It would be awesome.
1: Once but again, a yeah. uh, reminder that Sony killed the Popeye movie so they could make the
0: Emoji movie. Yes, they did. Yes, they did. Oh, man, that screen test was so good, too. <laughs> it was. God, Sony, you're such a nightmare company. They really are. So, deal fell through. Amy Pascal was resigned to revelations that she basically hated her own stars, like Angelina Jolie, and of course, mm-hmm. the racism. Yeah. And now we're back with Nintendo and Universal. So, with Super Nintendo World, Nintendo found that Universal was willing to give them a supreme amount of creative control, and in Universal, they also recognized they were a very competent company with the technical expertise to get the job done. Mm-hmm. So they're like, perfect. We get to keep all the rights and get most of the profits, and you get to make a movie and get the prestige of saying you worked for Nintendo. Works out for everybody, mostly us. Yep. So after Shigeru Miyamoto met... Oh boy. A lot of last names in this that are difficult to pronounce. Mm, yep. So after Shigeru Miyamoto met Chris Melodondri and found him easy to work with, it became rather inevitable that a universal-produced Super Mario movie was going to happen. So let's talk a little bit about Chris mellon So Chris is a producer who got his first real start in 1993. Like, he'd been working in the movie industry up to this point, Mm -hmm. but 93 is the first time he's going to be a producer of anything. And he's going to produce the Disney movie Cool Runnings. Oh, okay. Yeah, Cool Runnings. Yeah. Yeah, successful movie that, yep. alongside other hits such as Sister Act two, Back in the Habit. <laughs> I that is a really '90s subtitle that I absolutely it sure love. Sure is. It's great. It's, it's great. Inspired. Very inspired. This afforded him the opportunity to oversee 20th Century Fox's new animation studio, Fox Animation. Alex, you remember Fox Animation? <sighs> I'm I'm really trying.
1: <laughs> I. Yeah, they made things. They made one movie.
0: It's a little movie called Titan AE.
1: God, that was... I I could not remember that Fox Animation made that. Yeah, I I freaking love Titan AE.
0: Titan AE is an incredibly cool movie. That was also an incredible flop. That would it sure the- was. Oh, boy. <laughs> that studio would close shortly afterwards. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, that was, that was a Don Bluth directed movie, right? I believe I think it might have been Don Bluth's last movie. Probably. freaking oh man, that, that man just had a golden touch of death. He did. He made so many incredible movies that just destroyed every studio that made them.
0: He really, really did. Yeah, directed by Don Bluth and Gary Goldman. Yep. Damn. Real fun fact about this, uh, this also stars John Leguizamo, another person oh, yeah. who's had just an absolute cursed career despite his talent. Yeah. So funny how that works. I I imagine that's why they both um, both Miyamoto and and Chris got along. They just bonded over John Leguizamo, just destroying movies. Yeah, probably. Through no fault of his own. Yeah. Now, surprisingly, he's not fired by 20th Century Fox after this because he can't actually fail in Hollywood. Right. And instead, he helps lead Fox's acquisition of Blue Sky Studios, Mm -hmm. which would go on to produce the very successful Ice Age franchise.
1: And the very successful like
0: nothing else. Yeah, pretty much. I love Ice Age because Ray Romano is is a mammoth, and that's just weird.
1: Yep, it's a fun concept that they have wrung like six movies out of.
0: Yep, pretty much. Now, in 2007, he left Fox to found Illumination, a joint venture between literally himself and Universal to help produce animated movies to compete with the likes of DreamWorks, Walt <laughs> Disney Animated Studios, and Pixar. Fun fact about DreamWorks, Universal now owns them, which is odd. So Mm. Illumination is decidedly the C tier of all these studios, and I don't mean that in a bad way. Right. What I mean is that they make very safe children's movies with a very specific formula behind them, Mm -hmm. usually consisting of loosely connected action sequences, celebrity voice talent of varying quality, and all the safest 80s music you can handle. They're a movie that's basically like, here's something for the kids... Here's something for the adults. Just get them through this. Mm-hmm. We're all going to get through this together, everyone, and make a lot of money. That is their MO. Yep, pretty much. They have never made a controversial movie. No, like they the, never will. And yeah, they never will. Like the closest thing might be their very first movie, Despicable Me, a movie about a single father supervillain that is quite good, actually. Yeah. They're just the kindest of you that won't make waves, a.k.a. the only real choice for Nintendo. Yeah. And, yeah. and so in 2018, Nintendo announced the Super Mario movie with Shigeru Miyamoto not only co-producing the movie alongside Chris Mellon da- Daughtry, but also personally overseeing many aspects of the film. Now, we don't know what aspects that necessarily was, but mm-hmm. he's just like with um, the theme park, Miyamoto's going to be front and center when it comes to right. any sort of um, like uh, marketing aspect of this, whether it's going to be him in an Nintendo Directs, giving interviews... What have you some of the interviews are gonna be very funny like there's a variety interview that's uh it's very interesting. I didn't really pull anything from this I guess except for this off the cuff bit where they're like told beforehand it's like, hey listen, don't tell him who what ask him what his favorite character is don't ask him this don't ask him that mm-hmm. he does not care for those questions do not do that <laughs> and they're like, wow, this feels very limiting, but all right, I guess yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's it's kind of funny. Like, he has almost like a rock star level treatment now being given to him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it, it happens. It happens. And yeah, I guess he, at this point, he kind of deserves it. He probably has been asked that question a million times. I'm not really right, yeah. being like, no, don't ask me that. So, now, this isn't to say that there wasn't a chance that this movie could be, like, especially weird or anything like that. Because mm. one of the first things we found out about the production of the movie was who was selected to direct it. Here comes some more last names that I am going to mispronounce. Aaron Horvath and Michael Jelenic. Now, previously, these two had worked on the animated series Teen Titans Go! Ah. Yeah. Okay. I, yeah, an animated series has made so many people upset. And also <laughs> featured Robin helping to murder Batman's parents gleefully. <laughs> Alex, how do you feel about Teen Titans Go? Let's have a Teen Titans Go sub.
1: I, I think it is a... Very funny, stupid cartoon. Mm -hmm. I find it extremely entertaining and funny. But even funnier than the show itself is what it represents about how badly Warner Brothers can bungle what people want them to do.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely.
1: (laughs) It's like, hey, all of you... Like, many, many fans of the Teen Titans cartoon that we, like, canceled in its heyday and Mm -hmm. never gave a proper conclusion to. Good news. We're going to bring a new Teen Titans cartoon. And it is going to shit all over the tone and spirit of that old cartoon.
0: (laughs) It's so hilarious. They announced it? they showed, like, the characters having, like, more or less the same designs. And, like, Mm -hmm. all the voice actors are back. And they're like... Yeah, now listen. They're gonna be just, psych. They're gonna be fuck-ups you. the entire time.
1: <laughs> it's oh my god! It's like because it was right in the middle of their like big revitalization of like DC animation, and mm-hmm. they they were doing Young Justice, and they were like signing Netflix deals, and it's like you could you could just finish Teen Titans, you could just finish Teen Titans, just do. Literally the thing everyone wants you to do. Just do it.
0: <laughs> and they're like, nah, son.
1: Nah, we're gonna we're gonna do the opposite of what you want.
0: We're gonna do a movie where those characters do come back and they basically spend the entire movie hating the Team Titans go people. <laughs>
1: Not only are we going to do the opposite of what you want, but we are going to signpost that we're doing the opposite <laughs> of what you want, and how mad you are about it.
0: Yeah, it is so amazing because honestly, <laughs> Alex, I'm going to reveal that I was one of the people who was upset about this. Oh, uh. and then by about like a month later, I had completely flipped this flip like, on that because <laughs> I was like, no, actually, this is perfect. This, this is perfect. Is yeah, exactly. Be get mad, stay mad, stay mad. <laughs> Oh, it's so good. It's
1: so weird for a company to just troll its customers and fans like that. It is. Oh. For like a long time. That show had multiple seasons.
0: That show was more successful than the original Teen Titans cartoon. <laughs> <laughs> In every sense of the word. It's, oh my god. It's my god. oh, it's messed up. It's It's messed up, but it's hilarious at the same time. Yeah. Oh. So yeah. Yeah, they they hired they hired the idiots behind that to be the directors of this movie.
1: <laughs> Good, yeah, they should have done that and just made a movie that shits on Mario for an hour and a half.
0: Oh, I would have loved that. It would not have made him nearly the early amount of money that they would have wanted, but I would have loved no. it.
1: Yeah, hey, Mario's stupid. Mm-hmm. What you run around jumping on blocks? It doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. Go home, idiot. Yeah,
0: <laughs> <laughs> they would have had Daisy in that movie, anyways. Yeah, yeah so um all that being said, they almost immediately said they plan on making a faithful adaption of the material, and the film yeah. would be the opposite of the irreverent Teen Titans Go. That's exactly from them. So yeah, one hundred percent. No, we're not going to do that. Don't worry. Yeah, this is Great. Nintendo.
1: Yeah, they they would actually just have us murdered.
0: Yeah, we would be dead. <laughs> So they also confirmed that Nintendo like kind of inadvertently basically involved themselves in practically every aspect of the film down to storyboarding Uh. the scenes. So, (laughs) yeah. Yeah, they signed off literally, they probably signed off the periods that ended sentences. That's probably how close they were to this. Right, yeah. So for Nintendo, this level of control even extended to how news of the movie would be disseminated. Now, I found it interesting that you said that you hadn't really heard a whole lot about this movie in the lead up to it. And I'm both surprised and not surprised because I'm thinking about how I knew about it. And that's Mm -hmm. because Nintendo would announce all their like news, not in like a press release or a news story or anything like that. It had to be a feature of its own, usually as part of or its very own Nintendo Direct or Nintendo's pre-recorded news and announcement show that they will usually announce literally days before it happens Uh in a way that's kind of annoying, I have to admit
1: yeah, it's it's gotten old. Like, it was kind of charming when they started doing
0: that, and now mm-hmm. it's just sort of worn out its welcome. It kind of has. It was just, like, a little bit more foreknowledge. Uh-huh. But, yes. So, they would often have Miyamoto front and center to tell you all about what was going on. Whether it was, like, what was new about the film, here's a trailer, or perhaps, most controversially, the announcement of the voice cast. <laughs> which we gotta talk about. So, now, when asked directly about it, long time Mario and practically every other Nintendo character, voice actor, Charles Martinet, mm-hmm. said with his trademark enthusiasm, I've never seen an interviewer or like seen a piece written about him where he isn't just like bouncing off the walls. Uh, yeah, it's great. It, it's charming. This. That he would find it a marvelous thing if he could play Mario and that he would, quote, go in and play it with a great joy and happiness, end quote. This was from an article where it was revealed Nintendo had not reached out to him at all. (laughs) Great. Which was depressing. And on September Uh. 23rd, 2021, Nintendo had a direct where, as part of it, Miyamoto announced the voice cast and probably broke Martinet's heart at the same time. He would not be the voice of Mario, but rather veteran actor Chris Pratt would be. Now, Chris Pratt, he of the Guardians of the Galaxy and Parks and Recreation, Mm -hmm. was obviously well, I should say obviously, Uh, he was a very controversial choice. Now, anyone who had paid attention to Illumination's previous casting choices in their movies probably shouldn't have found it a surprise.
1: Casting Hollywood celebrities as voice actors is what they do.
0: Exactly, yeah. Of course, they cast Charlie J, Charlie J, Charlie Day, Anna Taylor-Joy and Seth Rogen, because of course they would. Yeah. But Chris Pratt probably bore the brunt of the hate. Now, I'm not a Chris Pratt fan, Really? Mm-hmm. But, hoo-boy, oh I, I think he got kind of a rough treatment with this.
1: It, it was a lot. It was... Like, it was a lot all of a sudden.
0: It was, and it was, like, literally like them picking apart like just, like, the smallest things, they being Nintendo fans. Yeah. Uh-huh. Like, for instance, in a video he did shortly after the announcement that admittedly did kind of come off as a little fake, he mm-hmm. mentioned how he was a Mario fan, and as a kid, he would go to the laundromat and play Super Mario Brothers on the arcade cabinet. Which fans immediately pointed out, oh, he's a fake fan. He mistook it for the Mario Brothers arcade game. Which to that I say, there's a Play, to- Play Choice 10 machines exist, as well as the first <laughs> Super Mario Brothers game. It's actually you idiots who are wrong. <laughs> get your Mario knowledge right. But it does highlight the fact that people were willing to pick apart the most minute of details. Right. And like, eventually he did kind of like get annoyed by this, but he also sort of rolled with it. There is, um... A quote that he supposedly gave to E Entertainment that was off the cuff uh-huh. that I could not verify. So I don't know if it's true, but it's too funny not to mention. <laughs> he said, Well, you know, yeah, it's been very controversial that I'm playing, you know, Mario in the Mario movie. So I went back to refresh myself with some of your Nintendo titles. And I got to say, Paper Mario Sticker Star might be one of the greatest games ever made, which
1: I don't know <laughs> if that's
0: true, but if it is the hat to you, sir. That is hilarious as shit. Cause that game <laughs> sucks. <laughs> that's a good. That's a good little trolley bit. Yep. Yeah. Once again, I could not find where that original quote came from. It came from a tweet from a, from a news aggregator. Don't know if it's actually true, but it's funny, so I'm going to mention it here. So now, and to also be fair to Pratt, I think he, we mentioned this last episode. I think he does actually try in this movie. I think so. Yeah.
1: yeah. There were definitely like early trailers where it was, he didn't and to be fair, he didn't get like a lot of lines in those trailers but mm-hmm. what he did get didn't come off as trying nearly as hard as he actually does in the movie.
0: Oh yeah like yeah, there's the very first teaser when he like arrives mm-hmm. in the Mushroom Kingdom and he says Mushroom right. Kingdom, here I come and people pointed out that he sounds like Linda Belcher from <laughs> Bob's Burgers Right. <laughs> which is hilarious to me <laughs> Yeah, but by the end, he put on a decent voice. You know, it it wasn't just Chris Pratt. Yeah. 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 Unlike, say, Seth Rogen. Yeah. uh, Who who did not, and has been getting quite a bit of hate for it, for just (laughs) using his voice and not trying to mask it at all. Which, Mm. to be fair, he got annoyed about that as well and clarified that, quote, I was very clear that I don't do voices. (laughs) If you want me to be in this movie, then I'm going to sound like me, and that's it. That was the beginning and the end of the conversation, end quote.
1: Yeah, that's, yeah, that's what happens when you hire screen actors to do voice work.
0: Mm-hmm. He also stated, quote, I think in the film and the game, all you seem to know about Donkey Kong is that he throws barrels and does not like Mario very much, and that's what I ran with, end quote. Alex, it's kind of funny. I really had whiplash with that quote uh, because mm-hmm. the first time I read it, I absolutely hated it. Mm. and i read it again and i was like yeah fuck yeah seth rogan get your bag <laughs> like this was 100 percent a paycheck for him in a oh way. yeah and like he was up front he's like nah, don't cast me if you don't want this and they're like and nah, now we're gonna cast you he's like all right all right so like yep. what is, man yeah no yeah get your money and it's like really funny because like it extends to even promoting the movie because like at the mario movie premiere like every actor at least like vaguely dressed like their character like mm-hmm. chris pratt wore a red blazer Charlie Day wore a green one. Like, Anna Taylor-Joy was in a pink jumpsuit. Uh, Seth Rogen was all business casual. <laughs> uh huh. It's kind of funny, actually. <laughs> and, of course, we would be remiss if we didn't mention Jack Black and how he's a treasure and did great as Bowser. Of course. He's absolutely wonderful, and I think we gave him a lot of love last episode, so I'll just edge right there. Now, the movie itself would get quite a marketing blitz, including multiple previews and new trailers debuting during the playoff games, uh, playoff football games, I should say, including the Super Bowl. And of course, the movie was released on April 5th, 2023. And as of this recording, the Super Mario Brothers movie has made $678 million and had just a 28% drop from its debut weekend, which is uh, incredibly good.
1: Yep. Yep. That's doing numbers.
0: Mm hmm. A sequel is already in the works with potential spin-offs, including Donkey Kong Country and Luigi's Mansion and Jack Black's Black's personal wish to have a Bowser Mario, Bowser Wario buddy cop movie starring Pedro Pascal as Wario, which I want that to happen an awful (laughs)
1: lot. (laughs) Yep. That'd work. I, yep. Yep. That's a good idea.
0: I, I am definitely first line. You should cast, you know, actual seasoned voice actors and, Mm, In animated roles. But if you're not going to do that, Pedro Pascal's Wario is an inspired choice.
1: Yes. I would have loved for them to make that movie first. I would have too. Don't, like, don't even make a Mario movie. Just make that movie. Mm Mm-hmm. And be like, make of this what you will.
0: Yeah, it worked out for Marvel. They started with Iron Man. That worked great. Yeah.
1: No one knew who the hell Iron Man was.
0: Ah... Yeah.
1: Everyone was like that Black Sabbath song and they were like, no, but we're going to play it anyway.
0: I, I was the idiot who was like, oh, wow, they, they remember the 90s cartoon. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah. So yeah, Mario movie has come out. It's an incredible success. The next the development of the next one probably will not be as nearly as interesting as this one. But hey, no. you know, that's just how sequels usually go. Alex, how are you feeling?
1: Uh, I I feel okay. Again, I'm kind of a little bit surprised sometimes about this movie by how fervent people are about it. Yeah. Like you were mentioning, oh, people got super upset about all the casting, the voice casting. And I was like, yeah, it was, some of the casting was sort of mid-tier choices, but also like, whatever. Yeah. It's the Mario movie
0: it's this weird thing i i think just like as like nintendo fans like i i definitely count myself as a nintendo fan Yeah. Huh. like we we heard that and we we're like ah oh, fuck that just get martin a in there just have him do it yeah
1: oh yeah yeah obviously yeah. that would
0: have been the better choice but
1: illumination wasn't gonna
0: yeah they never were of course not so
1: whatever but it's like there was something else about oh is is this being like faithful to the source material of mario i'm like the Source material of Mario, yeah, is whatever the hell Nintendo wants to make on a Tuesday. Mm-hmm. That like there is no source material of Mario. It's a game about jumping.
0: Yeah, yeah. Like if they had caught him at the wrong time, mm-hmm. this movie would have been about Princess Peach being pushed into electric fences in a <laughs> in a sock in a battle soccer game. Like yeah, they're just lucky they caught him on the Monday. Yeah, exactly. It's like it's. It's exi- It's like we said last time, like, Mario is what it re- it's just a cast of characters that are meant to be an ensemble that could be put into whatever the heck it needs to be.
1: Yeah. And they they put him into this, and it made $600 million, so.
0: Yeah, t- it turns out they made the right decision. And given once again, if they have the full rights to this movie, not, mm-hmm. not Illumination, not Universal, Nintendo does, and are most likely reaping the vast majority of the profits, yeah, yep. Nintendo's yep. Nadeau was very pleased with how this worked out, I'm very yep. sure.
1: Yeah, I can imagine. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other thing is, like you, you were mentioning, you were sort of surprised that I said I didn't hear anything about this movie. Mm. Um, like, obviously, I followed some of the directs, at least. I'm not being that enthusiastic about it. I didn't, like, sit down for every one of them. But I did, you know, watch some of them. I was yeah. aware of the news. What I meant by that was more of, like, I didn't hear much behind the scenes news or headlines or like there there was no contract drama there was no negotiations or speculations of oh maybe maybe this director will get attached maybe this studio like it was very much just they signed the safest studio went quiet for like four years Mm -hmm. and then showed up and were like here's a movie we're going to release and then they released it
0: and that's the most nintendo way to do it Right? Yep, it sure is. Like, that's exactly what they've done with the Breath of the Wild sequel, Tears of the Kingdom, mm-hmm. right? Where you just go years without hearing about it, and it's like, okay, here's a trailer. Take a look at this. Take a look at this nonsense.
1: Yep. Yeah. It, put a rock on this stick. $60. Mm-hmm. It, yeah,
0: it sold. <laughs> <laughs> yes.
1: Honestly, yes.
0: <laughs> yeah, like, if it's one of those things, like, if you paid attention to, like, Chris Pratt's social media accounts, you would see, mm-hmm. like, some ba- behind-the-scenes stuff. But, like... Right. Obviously, I'm not on Instagram. I'm not going to be doing that. Right. Yeah. Yeah, you're not going to get, like, headlines in, like, E! or whatnot about this. Right.
1: Yeah, compared to, like, again, go back to any Sony movie in the past 10 years. Mm -hmm. And it is just, like, a nonstop ride of, you know, the director had this to say. And the the actor is really mad about this Mm -hmm. thing. And why fans are kind of concerned that this looks like a terrible movie.
0: Yep. Yep. Des- Sony desperately reshooting X to make up for Y. Uh huh. Sony reshooting
1: gets. the whole movie.
0: Sony gets tricked by online meme, re releases terrible <laughs> film.
1: Oh, uh, Morbius rules. It's so uh, terrible. Mobius,
0: Morbius is the gift that keeps on giving. Craven has sure no chance is. of living up no, to
1: it. No, no. Craven will be the Venom 2. To Morbius's venom. <laughs>
0: <This> is dire. <laughs> <laughs> what does what does that make the Bad Bunny helmed Spider-Man spin-off film about the Mexican luchador that appears in exactly one comic? Uh,
1: pff, honestly, a coin toss.
0: Ah, uh, fair. F- <laughs> 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 oh, yeah, yeah. It's it. it it was the most Nintendo thing that could ever possibly exist. And I guess maybe that's that's like the final coda to this, is that despite yeah. Nintendo kind of opening up and allowing their IP to be used, at the end of the day, it was still Nintendo doing what Nintendo does. Yep. And it worked out, usually how it works out for Nintendo.
1: Mm-hmm. Incredibly
0: rich and also holding the bag. Yep. So, yep. And I think that's maybe the... Unless you have some final thoughts, maybe that's the perfect place to end this.
1: No, I was gonna say... Now that Universal has helped make the Mario movie, there is a chance that we could get Bowser in a Godzilla movie. But going back to what you just said, no. <laughs> no, that won't happen.
0: Nintendo would... I mean, I guess Nintendo has is not against cross-pollination with other franchises. See, um... Did he also ran Minions the Rabbits? Um, oh, yeah. I guess it's not fair. The Rabbits were first, but still. Right. Yeah, but yeah, no, that would not happen. No. Uh, but yeah. Well, Alex, I appreciate you joining me as always. Of course. And for you, the listener, I hope you enjoyed this part too about the Super Mario Brothers movie. And if you like this and other episodes, you should follow us on either ftp.podbean.com or search for fallen Through plot holes" on your podcast service of choice. Once again, leave us a follow and give us a review. We do definitely appreciate it. And until next time, take care, everybody. Take care.